Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? A computer called Deep Blue beats the world chess champion Gary Kasparov. Truck carrying millions of bees overturns on the New York Parkway. Creating a buzz. And terrorist <laughs> Carlos DeJacko is captured in Sedan. This is August 1994, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And introducing our fifth wheel. Hey, what's Once up, guys? Again, John Lynch. Welcome. Yeah. Good to be back. And you're bringing this album because you begged the oh heck out God, of Oh, my God. I love this album. So in 1994... Well, 1993, one of my one of my favorite at the uh, up and coming kung fu fighters, the son of famous Bruce Lee, was shot and killed on the set of the movie The Crow. I remember that. Someone brought live ammunition into the set and loaded it into a gun, and when they were shooting one of the scenes, fired it at him and killed him. Wow. Well, was, that Alec, was that Alec Baldwin again? Alec Baldwin. No, it was not Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I'm certain. I'm certain. Anyways, this is The Cure. You guys can hear that. Hear yeah. that familiar voice. They they go to they go to The Cure because The Cure was uh, a, one of the most beloved groups by the creator of The Crow. Oh. Yeah, James O'Barr. He was, he was a massive fan. So they said, why don't we just ask them, see if they'll just write a song for the movie. And they went to him, and and, he, and uh, they were like, heck yeah. He wrote it. They go to him, and he's, he writes it in two days. They tell him, hey, this is what The Crow's about. This is this. And he goes, ah, I got this. And he writes it in two days, records it, and sends it over. They're like, my God, that's perfect. We're going to lead with that. It's going to be the number one song on the on the on the uh album. so this is the opening uh, track opening track it's beautiful the cure and the crow the cure i thought it was the because crow. they were both four letter words that started with c and had an r in them it doesn't hurt yeah sure <laughs> a, little, a little alliteration going on I never saw the movie, John. Was it a dark movie? Or yeah, a- it's real. It's a real dark movie. Yeah. So, the, the Crow is about the the main character. They they live in this kind of um, dystopian city kind of thing. This this urban area, and he and his girlfriend are just basically trying to survive in, in this darker world. Mm-hmm. And his girl gets killed brutally by this gang, these gangs and stuff. And then he is uh, he is beat up real bad. Too, he's beat up, and he ends up dying. But his spirit will not go down without vengeance. Oh, okay. So he comes back to life, basically fights his way back to life, and then basically goes around the city finding people who are responsible for it. Which the problem with it is, is he has trouble remembering things from his life when he comes back. And so he 
keeps trying to remember all the things. And when he sees people, his memory kind of flashes. And it, it's a good story. Yeah, it sounds good. I'll have to watch it. I and uh, watch it. yeah, so they, they, oh, it's a great movie. My goodness, it's a great movie. And it actually holds up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dark movie. Not a good time. At what point was he killed during filming? I mean, did they right have... at the end? Okay, oh, so it was the last scene, last one, and they they and, yeah. it, and in fact, I think it was actually a reshoot of a scene they had already shot once, and it was a scene where uh, Brandon Lee's character, the Crow, breaks into a building, and he's against this gang, and the gang basically opens up firing at him. Yeah, he jumps on a table, I think. Yeah, jumped up on a table. And the game just opens up, and he, he's, a, he's invulnerable. He's completely immortal. Yeah. He's just a spirit. And he's like, whatever, shoot. You know, uh, have fun with that. And somebody, some idiot, brought. I don't think any charges were ever filed against what? anybody either. Wow. I don't remember, but, yeah, it was an accident. But, yeah, you're, you don't do that. I, You know, several times people have died because of that in the movies. And I think there's a area out there for people to build firearms that would not not only not just fire blanks but could not even fire a a uh, any type of projectile out of it yeah yeah you know, just but be, if you can make one of those you're going to be rich because then it'll be well, guaranteed essentially what you're supposed to do is you put the make them look exactly the same so they just take the firing pins out of the out of the weapons without a firing pin they don't, uh, yeah, they don't, without a firing pin, the gun can't fire, right? Because the firing pin is the striker for the bullet. And yeah. So that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be. And they come back after the fact, and they edit that in. And I'm listening to Robert Smith, who's the lead singer of The Cure. Yeah, yeah. And, everything. and yeah, he, I mean, it, this song fits so directly to the movie. Oh, it's perfect. The movie is very dark. It's very Halloween-ish. It's, it, it is, I mean, that's true. If you're looking for a good Halloween movie to watch, this is a great movie. It's actually Halloween weekend as we're recording this. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I have to do that. I'll have to fit it in between Young Frankenstein and The Hollywood Nights. Yeah. <laughs> and if you like if you like um, diverse music, like dark music, this album is amazing. It's got it's got Stone Temple Pilots, it's got Nine Inch Nails, it's got I didn't use, I didn't use either of those. You guys covered an episode sixty-five. Yep, uh, purple, that one. the purple yep. album from Stone Temple Pilots. The the big empty. Um, Stone Temple Pilots was going to re-record a different song for them, but then when Brandon Lee died, they said, "No, we're putting a hit on your album." Wow. Yeah, and they did. They put the big empty on the album. We're not going to cover that one today, but I can't express how much Brandon Lee was going to be that next star. He was a massive. He, he was he, on the rise. I mean, no, he wasn't as good as. Is Bruce. martial artist is Bruce. It, Bruce Lee died early, obviously. Um, but yeah, he was going to be that next big star. Yeah. He was, you know, he 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 was half white, half Asian, and he was going to be that crossover that everybody was going to do and see. And he really was. I mean, I remember that big giant circle window in the movie. So here's another song written directly for this album by uh, by Machines of Loving Grace. Um, they got an early release of the movie, and they were asked to write a song that fit the theme. And I mean, they killed it. The song is amazing. John, is this? I'm kind of getting the impression I've never heard of the movie or seen it, obviously. But it sounds like to me this is kind of a who's who of the '90s rock. 
It really is. Yeah. yeah. Who? Which one of these bands, and it may be one of the ones that you're featuring, and I apologize if I'm jumping too far ahead, did anybody see their popularity and their success be propelled from the soundtrack? Yeah, and in fact, two of them that we're going to show, actually, actually, the next three songs. This song is called Golgotha Tenement Blues. Okay. Well, Golgotha is where Jesus was killed. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. So... They wanted to write, because of the resurrection in the movie, the character comes back from the dead. They wanted to write a Christian kind of themed, like um, revenge kind of mix. And so that's why they wrote Golgotha Tenement Blues. Machines of Love and Grace um, was not a big band at the time. And they were going through some transitionary period. So so let me let me, let me read off... Um, I, I, I don't. I never know these guys. Huh. Like, I, I'm not familiar with them. So Scott Benzel is on vocals. That's who you're hearing, right? You got Mike Fisher on the keyboard, and you got Brad Kemp on drums. Uh, in '95, later after this came out, they added guitarists and a, and a bass guitarist. Um, that was uh, David Swicott and Ray Rindo. Um, but they 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 didn't have a whole lot of hits. This thing kind of pumped them up, kind of a a lot because this became the number one album in 94 so it was a u.s top 200 number one album robin brian i can't believe you guys hadn't seen this movie or or remember it i mean this was really it it, it was a big movie it was the soundtrack like you said we're not doing three of the big songs that are on this i mean nine inch nails put two songs on this yeah exactly so and you could hear trent reznor being part of this this is a very it's a very dark yeah. movie. It is a Help. revenge movie. I mean, there, isn't this the one where the guy had the bottles and the three fingers, yeah, yeah. and he's he's come out and play, yeah, and yeah. they're clinking them together. The guy's walking down the street because they're trying to hunt for Brandon Lee on this. Let and, me let me name the other bands that are on this album that you might know. Helmet is on this album. Yeah, Rollins Band is on this album. Um, there's yeah, this, Henry this, Rollins. Yeah, Henry Rollins. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 So there's a there's a whole list of, of just real talent that just want that just wanted to be on this album, and it was a number one hit. So. This almost sounds like an instrumental. It is not. Know. It is a little bit like an instrumental. There's not a whole lot of words, and it just repeats a little bit. But it's more about the feel for the movie. Oh, the theme is so dark. I mean, yeah, yeah it could be gothic with. You know, it could be that type of thing. I mean, he doesn't he have some sort of makeup on, or yeah, he, when he comes back? Yeah, he paints his face to, to look like a spirit. He wants to be haunting to the people that he comes comes near. It's like the spirit itself is just like lost. All he knows is that he needs to find people and get revenge and kill them. <laughs> yeah, and in the comic book, he actually has like this other spirit that kind of follows him around and keeps him from like getting too into his memories. I want you to embellish on the comic book part because not a lot of people didn't realize that that's, a, that's this was one of the beginnings where people started looking at comics for inspirations for movies or TV shows because that's where like well, the, the they, Walking Dead. They had multiple sequels to this movie that were not well done. They were like those B-movie sequels. Um, and there's actually talk right now of a reshoot or, or a remake of the the Crow movie. Mm. Um, I don't actually... want to be the actor that jumps on the on the table. table. <laughs> All right. So what you're listening to now is Violent Films. This is called Color Me Once. Now I think I've heard this song. This is like it, 
this actually kind of catapulted violent films a little bit because yeah. this became like at the time I think it was the number one song I think later on they had uh, later on Blister in the Sun was like their big yeah, big yeah. maybe that's what I'm thinking of Blister in the Sun but uh, this one doesn't sound as familiar as I thought it did sorry I mean, this sounds like Nirvana a little bit I mean well remember this is 94 yeah yep. that, oh yeah if you copied Nirvana you're you're, you're yeah. trying to make a yeah yeah, yeah. You got, you got, at the time, you got Nirvana is just kicking rear end. Yeah. You got um, Soundgarden is doing well. Alice in Chains is killing it. Pearl Jam is amazing. Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, it's kind of a who's who. I mean, I mean I'm sure. And, and still, and despite all that, this album was a number one hit. Yeah. So. It's interesting how you do have some movies where everybody just contributes their song to the movie or gets paid for it or you have people multiple artists who wrote for the movie you know because we did heavy metal as another soundtrack yeah. well we I, I plan on doing another soundtrack myself you know which, which was one in 1969 but what usually happened is that you wrote for the movie and that song would be on the movie and on the soundtrack and then you hoped that your next album would be promoted because you're going to put that same song on your album and you're going to get kind of get a hit that makes twice sense. on yeah. that. So yeah. that was the idea. Is and That's the reason why people would more than likely, you know, heck, you don't know when a movie's coming out or when it's being shot, if it's going to be a oh, it really be three, crappy four years movie. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean I'll, I'll kind of delve into this because we've got really a short shift, but... Uh, in uh, August of 1994, uh, John Candy's last out movie came out. And this was after he died, and it it was with Richard Lewis. It was called Wagons East, and it was a kind of a western. I remember that movie. Buddy movie. It was all it, right. It, <laughs> well, Rotten Tomatoes has it as a zero. <laughs> so well, how I mean, would you like to have it's that? John Candy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I at first when I read it, I go, "Oh, John Candy, Richard Lewis." He goes, "I kind of remember that." And then I looked at it, it as Rotten Tomatoes zero, and I went, "Oh." But yeah, but that that was what was going on. Now, I mean, there's plenty of movies that came out at this time, also on in in August of '94. But yeah, this this movie just kind of just drifted for months. This is one of those ones that stayed won the soundtrack stayed on the charts and the movie stayed in the theaters. Yeah, the movie made the movie made uh fifty million dollars at the time, which was a lot of money. Yeah, the budget couldn't have been now. a couple million either. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those ones that's just magic. But you, the album but, was a triple platinum. But what would you have bet on? The John Candy one with Richard Lewis. Richard Lewis was a big comedian at the time. You're going, I, I'll put money up. I mean, I'm sure there's probably a soundtrack to it. Or are you going to do The Crow with this guy who's the son of Bruce Lee? And then, you know, obviously when you get The Cure, suddenly all these other people start falling in line. Yeah. And it, especially when you have songs that I think were so well written for the actual album. Yeah. Like, right. So they're nowhere else beforehand. You right. You heard them. And then you've got... All right, so this is, this, this is a great song. I love this song. Oh, we're kicking it this up is, here. This is, a, this is a group you may have never heard of called For Love Not Lisa. You ever heard of them? No, I have not. They, they formed in 1990. They, they said we're done with each other in 96. But between 1990 and 1996, it was a hell of a ride. Yeah. They're working with a guy you might know, Ace Freely. Oh, yeah. They're, uh, he's writing songs for them. 
He's recording. He's doing some guitar work on some of their albums. Uh, they're just having a blast. They go through like multiple changes in their in their lineup uh, during the, like a quick turnaround time. Uh, let, let me read a let me read a quote uh, from from Mike Lewis, who is the singer here. You're hearing. Uh, we knew it was a Brandon Lee movie, and that our song would be in it. We were thinking, okay, crappy kung fu movie nobody will ever see. <laughs> but after we saw some of the storyboards, we were like, wow, this movie is like a dark version of Batman. We pulled over on tour and called our manager. We were like, we have to be on this thing. Sure, that, sure as hell, they got onto it, and the song is actually awesome. So is, the, is, it, is it safe to guess that uh, For Love Not Lisa is from New York since they work with Ace Freely? I'm pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure the uh, Mike Lewis at least okay. was was out of New York. Um, yeah, but they were they were friends with uh, a lot of guys. They opened for Rage Against the Machine okay. for a little while, so they had some connections. I mean, you can hear the Rage Against the Machine kind of. Oh, I'm digging this. This is this is really good. I mean, I I want to say I've probably heard, listened to the song because I, I I had the Crow soundtrack, so obviously I I've, I've heard it. Probably haven't heard it since then, but yeah, this is almost almost a crossover song from you know the whole Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, exactly. Kind of going that grunge to that I call it bro rock that was going. You know, you had a little bit more gravelly voice, and then they, all the death metal and things like that started hitting. You know, if you listen to some of the other, if you if you it's not it's a good purchase if you want to if you want to invest in a good album. The Crow album is one you can buy and feel confident in the, in your investment. Um, the other songs that we're not going to cover today are are just as good as these songs. So, trust me, you can put it on, listen to the entire album, and and really enjoy it. Like we said earlier, I mean, we're not doing the top songs that were on this album, except for Burn. Burn, I, I you know obviously remember. Yeah, but yeah, the the other songs by Stone Temple Pilots. And, Nine Inch Nails, Nine Inch Nails, Rollins Band. Yeah, I mean, I remember them. I, you know, and they yeah. were great songs too. And I want to say they were hits. All right, so let me let me get let me give these guys a shout out here. You got Mike Lewis, guitar and vocals. You might Mike Miles did some guitar and vocals as well. Kevin Jeffries on bass and Eric Myers on drums. Uh, and like I said, for about six years, they were actually a, a, a fun band you could go out and jam out to. Kind of a key change here. Got to have a bridge somewhere, you know. Just you know, and then we had to kind of. You got to rest when you're in the mosh pit because I remember the mosh <laughs> mosh pits were big. Man. Yeah, mosh I mean, pits were massive. Yeah, because a lot of blues that go in there, and then all of a sudden it kicks up and there they go. Oh yeah, I'm loving this song. You got the whole theme here. I would die for you. Just sort of timestamp it for the nineties, though. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's not, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. No, it's not a bad thing. But you, you know, you got some music that just kind of crosses over, and a lot of people can't even tell you when it was made. It's maybe because I'm getting older. <laughs> I would take the nineteen nineties music over today's music. Oh, no time. doubt. But they have this kind of echoey, you know, reverb on the on the microphone. You can hear, you know, it makes it kind of eerie, spooky almost. Yeah. I think it's the original auto tune. Okay, joke. 
How is it original done? audio. <laughs> nobody, nobody had a computer running their voice vocals back then. <laughs> Did you listen to this too very much, Brian? I have not. It's, uh, this is the first time I've heard the album. I've, I've never... I did, like I said, I was unaware of the movie. Had you ever the heard soundtrack. of the, the, the Burns, the main song? No. But you obviously heard of the Big Cure, yeah. From yeah, I, I know who the Cure is. I know who Violent Femmes, and that's uh, that, the other two I had never heard before. But I love it. I wanted to go obscure. I wanted to uh, get a little bit obscure with it. Hey, John, welcome to the to the to the real world over here. Who does all the obscure albums and groups? <laughs> Everybody yells at me and goes, oh, we fast forward on, on yours. I'm like, no, man, buddy. Trust me, I'm bringing stuff to you. <laughs> no, this is great stuff. Yeah. John, thank you for bringing that. Listen to that guitar. I hear, I hear, I'm, I'm hearing some uh, uh, Pearl Jam in there with that guitar solo work You there. get a little Ace Freely in there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Jane's Addiction. Yeah. Got kind of a little kiss, kiss outro right yeah, there, right? Exactly. Ah, well, thank you. Good job. All right, now we're going on to our entertainment track, brought to us by Monkey Wrench Brewing. So, you know what this means? It's the first NFL game on the Fox Network. It's an exhibition with San Francisco and Denver. But yeah, this- I can almost smell the nachos. Yeah. <laughs> they still do this thing so that was what was happening on tv august 1994 also debuting inside the actor studio yeah so if you guys remember Very i mean show. really it, it's one of the few shows that you really get in depth and serious I, I remember seeing several comedians robin williams was one that comes to mind and he you know he Let's himself be exposed to that. So, but yeah, that was great. Ending in August of 1994, America's Funniest People. Not videos, but funny, funniest people. Ah. And that was on for a long time. That was Bob Saget wasn't on that. No, no, no. That was like, a, I think it's one of those ones that sort of left over from the 80s. It's just sort of like, kind of like, but it's similar to the. People stopped being funny, videos. apparently. Yeah, exactly. But we'll get to the film of August 1994 at the end of this, but yeah. But yeah, I'm psyched. It's football time. Football season. Yeah, when you hear this when you hear this on the TV, you know you know what you're about to do. You're about to yeah. sit down and watch for three hours. That's right. <laughs> Alright, well now we're going to staff picks. And I haven't heard this one in a while, Wayne. Yeah, I was gonna, that's exactly what I said. Guys, I haven't heard this in a while. But I had to bring it to the table because this is New Age Girl by the rock trio Dead Eye Dick. You know, softer debut album, different story, but it gained popularity because of the film. Dumb and dumber. (laughs) (laughs) Our pets' heads are falling off. Oh, no, yeah. Here we go. Wait, 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 here's the line. Oh, yeah, that got them in trouble. <laughs> she don't eat me. She sure likes the bone. <laughs> that's a good, I think that's a very good definition of a vegetarian. Yeah, that got edited out of a lot of people's radio stations. They played the whole thing on uh, 99X. 
song peaked at number 27, and it's their only hit, their one-hit wonder. And, you know, hey, they go, hey, we had our own song. It was something that's pretty permanent. I mean, really, you put this on, everybody's like, this is a good pop song. Because it was a rock and roll dream. We had our one hit. It was a nice ride. Makes yeah. me want to go home and watch uh, Dumb and Dumber again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, well, these guys are from New Orleans. I don't know if you knew Never that, heard Brian. Of them. There's no part of me that doesn't think Dumb and Dumber when I listen to this. I mean. <laughs> and Dead Eye Dick comes from the Kurt Vonnegut album, but novel. And they, they really were in the Southeast. They did a big tour of the Southeast. I didn't see them in concert at the time. I probably would have. Anybody else see Dead Eye Dick? No. I couldn't remember who who sang the song. Yeah. I remember the song. Oh, yeah, this is very... Uh, so, all right, tell me about Dumb and Dumber. What are you guys' favorite lines on that? Samsonite? That was way <laughs> off. You know, we, we quote that all the time, John. So I you're mean. telling me there's a chance. <laughs> That's the one. Pull over. No, it's, it's a, a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. <laughs> $250,000 IOU. You want to keep that one. <laughs> I thought the Rockies would be a little rockier than this. Yeah, that John, John Denver's full of... According to the map, we've gone four inches. <laughs> oh, man. My hands are freezing. Here, wear one of my pairs. All right. You're from Austria. How many pairs of gloves are you wearing? I've been freezing all night. <laughs> Austria. Well, good day, mate. Put another strip on the Barbie. <laughs> that was New Age Girl, Dead Eye Dick. Hope you guys had fun. I did. Yes, thank you. Uh, pretty bird. Pretty bird. <laughs> oh, I, I've laughed so hard I'm crying. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to go to a group that started off in 1994, and they're still going strong today. One of my favorites. Who's that, Rob? This is Collective Soul. And... It's from their album, Hence Allegations and Things Left Unsaid, which I covered in episode number 36. Okay. Wow. Long time ago. I think it's got a cool feel. I love I love Collective Soul. What a great sound they have. Yeah. They're almost, it's almost a hippie feel. But Ed, Ed Roland, man, his voice is just really cool, I think. He's got such a unique sound to him. Listen, I like this. We Shove saw a little light. Soon we'll be glowing. Hear a little tune. We'll start singing. Give a little love, then love will start breathing. Breathe is the name of the song. Yeah, yeah. We saw them in Sugar Hill yep. at the bowl. What was that, 2018? 2019? I think that was, in, yeah, back in 2018. Uh, okay. Yep. I mean, I've seen them several times. Yeah. I, they were... Sticks tour, and then we saw him on like a brunch tour in Nashville. Yeah, I'll see him anytime that they're around or in town. Actually, Brian, I think that was actually in um, 16, 2016, okay. believe okay. it or not. But that was really fun. It's, I, you know, and they're they're kind of showmen, you know. They, uh, Ed is anyway. And if you look at this video for this song, Breathe, you can find it. It's got like people kind of in Technicolor makeup and everything on the beach with the green screen. And Ed Rowland has long hair at the time. You know, 
know, like I said, this was their first their first album. If you like Collective Soul, they just released an album called Vibrating. It came out in, I believe it was in August of 2022. Great, it's a co- great album. A COVID album. Yeah, they wrote and recorded that thing during COVID. Probably. Yeah, but it's a great. It's and it, they still have the same kind of sound. They still have a little bit of this 90s sound to them. So. I, I mean, they're kind of included in the grunge scene, right? I mean, essentially. Oh yeah. Like alternative rock, grunge kind Probably of. Probably alternative. I don't. I don't. I don't consider them grunge. They, they, they don't really, have the grunge. They're sound. almost the Christian rock. I was about to say, don't they? Aren't they Christian? Like, he is. Yeah. I mean, Ed, Ed and Dean, and then um, you've got Ross Childress on lead guitar, Will Turpin on the bass, and Shane Evans on drums. And yeah, Ed, Ed and Dean. But they don't. They're not overboard on it in the music, but you can tell the hints. You'll hear it in the theme. Yeah. Here's the thing. They're Christian rock who didn't record music for Christian radio stations, but get played on Christian radio stations. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's yeah. like the level of Christian rock. Yeah. They are. So that was Collective Soul Breathe. And now we're going to Brian. It may not sound familiar yet, but wait, wait till you start singing. This is the uh, Stalker song. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping Tommy song. Recognize the voice, guys? I mean, listen, does this not sound like someone who's stalking somebody? Yeah. I actually have this CD. Yes, this is Melissa Etheridge from the album Yes I Am. Are, are you? Selling over 6 million copies in America and launching her to arena level stardom. This is the first of two songs off this album that. Uh, catapulted her to superstardom. I remember hearing this quite a few times in August of 1994. Does she still tour? I wouldn't be surprised if she did. I mean, she's got headliner kind of stardom, right? Well, like you said, she was doing arenas after this. I mean, this song stayed in the the Hot 100 for 44 weeks. Wow. The second song of is remember the second song from this album was called "I'm the Only One." Oh yeah, it's a great song. That was in the Hot 100 for 40 weeks. So she was on fire. Yeah, yeah, she she was. I mean, the head of that, if you can call it folk rock. Yeah. It's a little bit more harder than it is, but she's it's like a great pop song. Yep. She's like the lead-in for the Indigo Girls kind yeah. of music, yep. essentially. Well, this was stayed. This was the peaked at number number at number twenty five, and then the I'm the only one uh, peaked at number eight. So this kind of introduced her into the superstardom stratus, and then I'm the only one peaked it even higher. So. And like you said, the, the the album was Yes I Am, and I think she was one of the first ones that actually started out saying Yes I'm a lesbian, yeah. you know, and, and I I am who I am, and but she's so talented. Like I said. I have several of her CDs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she, the talent is so great. And really, by that time, people just really didn't care. No. Well, she actually came out in early 93, before a year before that this came out. So, you know who I could hear singing this? Male? Ooh. Rod Stewart. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if he's even... I feel like he may have done a... 
cover on it or something, but it sounds like a Rod Stewart song to yeah. me. Wait, I went and saw Rod like, yeah. recently. Yeah. That was a great yeah, concert. Yeah, we saw Rod. Yeah, hey, that's a concert you need to go to. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But for some of the uh, awards that she won, she actually won a Grammy for this for the best rock uh, performance by a female. All right, this is not rock music. <laughs> not, not even a little bit. I mean, it's got a drum. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the Grammy Academy for that yeah, one. Yeah, Gram- Grammys are, I mean, come on. Jethro Tull. Ace, Ace Freely <laughs> was not part of this song. Nah. <laughs> Jethro Tull, heavy metal <laughs> That's right. song of the year. Right. <laughs> this next song is also not rock. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Uh, actually, I don't even think it has a, a guitarist uh, in the I, band. <laughs> you really bringing this song? Yep, John, he's doing it. Listen, man, John Lynch, listen, what the heck? If you were listening to the radio in 1994, this song came on every fifth freaking time. Yeah. Okay, yes. okay, you bring in your inner Bruce here just to kind of... Stab me in the side. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, man. I, here's the thing. I remember the song. This song was so popular. Oh yeah. This is uh, Ace and Bass. Yeah. Don't turn around. It was a remastered song. Who, who sang the original? Anybody remember? 1986. Tina Turner. Oh. Yeah. And this song's been redone a dozen times. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Ace and Bass still kind of owns this song, I think. Got like a reggae feel to it here. It does, yeah. They are they're out of Sweden, and the three quarters of the band are siblings. Oh, really? Yeah, the two two brothers and uh, two brothers and a sister. Yeah. Um, let's see. I got wrote down because listen, man, I didn't. I don't. I don't listen to most a lot of European prog rock or European alternative music, but like this band, I kind of like. Um, so right, just make sure you, when you're listening to it, have the windows rolled up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jonas, Lynn, and Jenny Berggren were the siblings, and then they had a guy named Ulf Ekberg. That's is that Swedish? Is it is it Ulf? As it can be. I mean, just as a an interesting point of reference, when I was looking it up, I typed in Ace of B A S S, thinking it was a bass. Yep. Uh, versus, it's actually B A S E. Yes. So it was a little confusing to me. Yeah, that would require them to actually have a bass guitarist in yeah. the group, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm certain they do not. Instead of the Casio, they've got. <laughs> they they are officially still a band. They're officially still performing. I guess every once in a while they'll they'll get called out to you know go perform in a in a, a probably a big concert venue or something like that it's still funny to me when you have a band from another part of the world that speaks an entirely different language and they sound i would never have known they were swedish yeah well they they released this album it's called happy nation in 1993 early 1993 and then they re-released it and changed the name to the sign in the united states and they went number one with a couple of their songs. I mean, yep. uh, let's see. You guys, you guys, you guys remember? Yeah, I mean, you guys remember these guys? We actually covered Ooh. them as a staff pick. The sign. All that, all that she wants is probably one of their bigger songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think Wayne did that one. That's one of his. Yeah, favorites. exactly. Wayne definitely did. All right, I'm gonna move on and go top hits of August 1994. <laughs> Stay with Lisa Lowe. That was a great song. I swear, all for one. Fantastic Voyage, 
Coolio. Wild Night, John Mellencamp. Can you feel the love tonight? Elton John. Also in music of 1994, British rocker Billy Idol is admitted into a hospital for drug overdose. The band Oasis had their debut album come out. Definitely, maybe. Great, great album. Woodstock 94. This is not the one that came five years later where all the rapes and pillages and plunders came. And the Rolling Stones began their Voodoo Lounge tour. Mm. That was the, uh, so yeah, Ace of Bass. Good job. That's it's, a nice pick. It's dude. not a rock song, but, you know. All right. <laughs> we, no, we that's good, up. man. That's good. It was definitely on. It was definitely on the uh, radio. Okay, film of August 1994. We're gonna go through these real quick. There was a remake of the Little Rascals TV show, if you remember, or actually, I guess it was in the movies. There were shorts, uh, but it came out. Clear and Present Danger. Tom Clancy. Airheads. Adam Sandler. Brendan Fraser. If you remember that, that was funny as all get out. In the Army Now with Polly Shore. Blank Man with Damian Wayans. Next Karate Kid, not the other ones. It's Pat. Natural Born <laughs> Killers. That Woody Harrison. I didn't see that one. Oh, you haven't seen Natural Born Killers? No, I did oh not. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's actually a good movie. All right. Police Academy, Mission to Moscow. That was the last seventh and last one. You've been listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm John. Thank you, John, for coming. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Column Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff? <laughs>